This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is Peter and Tricia welcoming you to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0, Independent Community Media. We invite you to listen every Sunday for a presentation of historic Bible-based Christianity, highlighting preaching of the Word, classic songs, hymns and spiritual songs. Our worship theme today, Be Prepared for the Lord's Return. Ready or not. An adult Sunday school class was studying sayings about the end times in the Gospels. Some were troubled and confused by Jesus' use of symbols to describe the coming judgment, lamps lit, loins girded, wise and foolish maidens, a thief in the night, and so on. In an attempt to modernise the language, the pastor asked if they'd seen or experienced something that made them think the end was near. One woman recounted her fear of during the Christchurch earthquake. Another described feelings of fear when her ancestral home in Syria was destroyed in an attack. Still others noted destruction of the environmental threat of collision with a comet. Everyone present agreed that helplessness and dread compounded their fears. We read from Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have and give alms, provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure in heaven that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when they will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, he shall gird himself, and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye ready therefore also, for the Son of Man cometh to an hour when ye think not. In this passage from Luke, Jesus seems to give conflicting instructions to his followers. On the one hand, in verses 32 to 34, he tells them not to be fearful, to trust their loving Father and to divest themselves of possessions in order to help the poor. On the other hand, he tells them to be watching and on guard, lest they be found unprepared when the Son of Man comes. How can we be on guard and have no fear simultaneously? The answer is obscure if we looked in this passage in isolation. However, when examined in the light of other eschatological sayings of Jesus, the seeming contradiction is resolved. This is because three consistent threads run through all New Testament sayings about the end. 
Jesus will come. In this passage, explicit mentions of the Son of Man does not come until verse 40. Different titles and metaphors are used throughout the New Testament to describe Christ's return. The language varies, but the message is consistent. Jesus Christ will come again. Human history is moving towards its culmination. The ultimate victory and power are God's. The earliest confessions of faith, such as Philippians 2, 5-11 and the Apostles' Creed, imply or state this promise openly. Faith in God's promise was a great comfort to early Christians suffering persecution, and it should be an encouragement to us today to whatever sorrow or threat we find ourselves. Eva will not have the last word. God in Christ will return and reign forever. We don't know when Jesus will come. Verse 40 says the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus says not even the Son of Man knows when this will happen. The Father alone has the secret. Ever since the ascension, believers have tried to figure out when Christ will return. They refer to signs of the times noted in the Bible as though God's word were a timetable, but even when Jesus indicates harbingers of the end, he cautioned that no one could predict the date when this would happen. Trying to second-guess God is not only futile, but also contradicts what our Lord instructs us to do. We're called to be ready for Jesus' coming. It's normal to feel powerless in the face of impending catastrophe, such as collision with a comet. There is nothing an individual or church can do to prepare for such an event. But we can prepare for the return of Christ whenever it occurs. The Bible tells us how to be ready by repenting of our sins, believing that Jesus is the Messiah, being baptized in the triune name. Furthermore, we're prepared when we live faithfully as his disciples. In this passage, followers are advised to sell their possessions and give alms. Elsewhere, disciples are instructed to proclaim the gospel to others that they may prepare for Christ's coming. Finally, readiness means acknowledging there will be tribulations and sorrow along the way, but claiming the divine promise that victory is ultimately the Lord's. Our first music today, I'd Rather Have Jesus, lyrics by Rhea Miller in 1922, music by George Peverly Shea. Queen Elizabeth mother of the present Queen Elizabeth II, heard this as part of a concert when visiting the United States in the mid-1950s. The Queen commented to the singer, That song bespeaks the sentiments of my heart and that of my husband. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. 
Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be people have heard about the meteorite that hit the earth and supposedly caused the extinction of the dinosaurs. Secular geologists refer to this as the KT extinction and they regard it as one of the most significant mass extinctions according to their deep time view of earth history. However, did you know that the secular geologists have identified seven other mass extinctions in the portion of the geological record that contains complex plant and animal life? This shows that scientists are increasingly recognizing the catastrophic nature of the geological record. This goes against old ideas of only slow and gradual processes being responsible for all the rocks and fossils. These new perspectives are much more in line with a biblical view of Earth history, whereby Noah's flood wiped out all air-breathing land animals not on the ark. No, there were not eight mass extinctions in Earth history, but there certainly was one massive extinction event. To find out more from Creation Ministries International, visit our website, creation.com. You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. We continue with To God Be the Glory, a hymn with lyrics by Fanny Crosby and tuned by William Howard Duane, first printed published in 1875. Although it was already popular in Britain before publication, it failed to achieve wide usage in the United States and was included in very few hymnals. In 1954, Cliff Barrow's song lead for Billy Graham was handed a copy with the suggestion it be added to the songbook for the London Crusade. It was so popular he included it again later that year in the Crusade in Nashville, Tennessee. Blinded at six weeks of age in 1820, Fanny Crosby nevertheless wrote over 8,000 hymns, many of which are still sung today. To God be the glory.
Telling questions. In the seven verses we shall read shortly, Yahweh asks a total of seven questions. All of them suggest their own answers. All of them point with indictment towards false prophets and their false words. Earlier we have learnt that these prophets are known for sayings to those who despise the word of the Lord. It shall be well with you. And to all who stubbornly follow their own stubborn hearts, they say, No. Evil shall come upon you. Now, through the means of raising simple questions, a tentative means of expression on the surface, a clear and forceful word is spoken to God. We read from Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23. <clears throat> Am I a God at hand, with saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? I have heard what the prophet said, that prophecy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, there are prophets of deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten thy name for Baal. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? The illusion of cover. Who can hide in secret places so I cannot see them? Apparently these false prophets thought they could. Sounds silly, and yet we have our own ways of attempting to be anonymous when it suits us. 
but in God's realm there are no masks, no pretenses, no affections. And the end of the text gives a more searing dimension to this truth. God's word is like a fire or a hammer breaking up the rock. The notion of posturing before God under some disguise of truth or honour cannot be supported. God is both nearby and far off. An Appalachian folk song puts the stark matter playfully. Under a rock I hit my face. The rock said, ain't no hiding place. Ain't no hiding place down here. Exaggerations of forgetfulness. Will the heart of the prophet ever turn back? Who prophesy the deceit in their own heart? What exactly is the problem with these prophets and their message? In his book, Worship as a Theology, Don Salias labels modern secular culture with two words that also fit very well here as a diagnosis. Exaggeration and forgetfulness. I have dreamed, I have dreamed, shout the false prophets, who then proceed to exaggerate the good fortune ahead for those who have no use for God in their lives. The result, of course, is forgetfulness an erosion of the memories that we have come from God and belong to God, that we depend upon God for all that we have and are. Examples of such false prophecy are a dime a dozen in our time. In every arena, including if we are not careful the church, absolute goods are guaranteed and relative origins forgotten. You deserve and you can have it all. Sells briskly. God made us and we belong to God does not. Taking straw for wheat. What has straw in common with wheat? The implication, of course, is that exaggeration and forgetfulness are often found in the straw pile, whereas faithful attention to the true word of God is the wheat that can truly sustain us. One blows in the wind, the other strengthens the heart. The seven question text gives us a clear sense of that power of questions to expose deceit and reveal truth. From Genesis 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? To Revelation 7.13 And one of the elders answered, saying unto thee, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? God's questions are telling and reveal the false from the true. We continue great news in God's views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. With amazing grace. They were meaningful words, the ones I read in the small churchyard in Olney, England, where the composer of this great hymn of faith was laid to rest. Inside the church, his pulpit, outside on his stone, this inscription John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that 
not my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. We continue great news in God's views on Free FM 89.0 Community Media with Holy, Holy, Holy. Words by Reginald Heber, music by John Backus Dykes, written in 1861. It was sung in the 1953 film Titanic.
This is Peter and Tricia thanking you for joining us today for great news and God's views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. We invite you to listen every Sunday from 9.30 to 10 for a presentation of historic Bible-based Christianity highlighting preaching of the Word, classic songs, hymns and spiritual songs. We use only the King James Bible, the authorised version. 89.0 is live-streamed from freefm.org.nz or tune in and now on Amazon Echo devices using the Free FM 89 Alexa skill. We would love to hear your comments on this show. We can be contacted by email at greatnews376 at gmail.com. That is greatnews376 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Our closing music today, At Calvary, written by William Newell in 1895. Years I spent in vanity and pride Caring not my Lord was crucified Knowing not it was for me he died On Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty At Calvary Now I've given to Jesus everything Now I gladly own Him as my King now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.